All right, this series um, in Advent, uh, someone said to me the other day, well, you know, as a pastor, how many times have you preached on, on Christmas and the Christmas story and, and on Advent themes? Uh, the last couple of years, we've, we've kind of taken different approaches to things, uh, but always they do kind of circle around these kind of key themes that you see here, hope, peace, joy, love, and then uh, obviously Jesus in the midst of it all, but, but also as our focus on Christmas Eve. Uh, but sometimes it's, it's hard. How do, we, how do we express those things and the nuances of all those, those deep um, and, and deeply held terms as we come into this Advent season? And so this year as we kind of dive into that, and, and Russ is going to be talking about joy next week, so don't miss that. Um, what I was hoping in this series is, is almost looking at uh, the question, and that's why it's kind of a little bit bigger there on the one thing, is why Jesus? Why Jesus at all? This is something we should be considering as we think about Christmas and Advent. Why do we do what we do? Uh, we, we do love the lights. We do love the trees. We love the, the atmosphere and the, everything about Christmas. Uh, but why, why Jesus? Why do we actually worship Jesus at all? And in that, considering why Jesus came. What, what was the purpose in, in his coming? So that's sort of the backbone of this series. So in Advent, this is what we believe. We believe that God came to us once in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, as the Messiah. That he continues to be with us today by the indwelling presence of his Holy Spirit. And that he will return as promised one day in what is called the second coming or the second Advent. Where he ultimately will set all things right. But before his first coming, there was longing and there was expectation and that continues today, but in a different way, because of Jesus. Because Jesus came, he ushered in a new kingdom, not one of political power, but in the way of service and sacrifice. And while everything seemed to be wrong, that one day, that Friday on the cross, three days later, Jesus rose. He rose from the dead, conquering the grave and providing hope and life for all who would believe. The Bible says that he ascended into heaven to the right hand of the Father, and he told us that he would one day return again. Now listen, this isn't a fairy tale. This isn't a Christmas or Easter myth. This is what we not only adhere to by faith, but as we focused on in James, it's something that we live. It's something that we do. It is our way of life to follow in the ways of Jesus. If you were around this spring and you were part of our uh, somewhat controversial series, uh, Nine Things That I Don't Like About God, where we kind of wrestled, we had to uh, slug through some, some pretty hard, challenging questions that we all, as, as followers of Jesus, have to at one point or another wrestle with. Or we have friends that are, are asking these questions. And so we dove into that. Nine things that I don't like about God. Well, kind of in a contrast, this series would, in a way, be four things that I love about Jesus. And of course, there's, there's a lot more than four. But as we think about hope and peace and joy and love... These are things when we say, why Jesus? These should be at the heart 
of, of the answer to that question. These are not just the gifts of Jesus. This is who he is. And so if you have Jesus, if you have a relationship with Jesus, these are things that you possess and more. And so this morning as we focus on peace, a few years ago at, at uh, camp, every uh, summer we have some of our spring staff, they, they get the themes for the chapel and they coordinate <clears throat> a message and they try to get kids to do actions and things that will be memorable. And we also do what we call, I think we call it like callbacks or, you know, we, we say something and then the kids all say it back and it helps them to remember it. And so one of them, as we talked about peace, was this idea of, of saying, no Jesus, no peace, no Jesus, no peace. This was something that they would, they would say back. And so that's just this little play on, play on words here. But, but without Jesus, there's no peace. But if you know Jesus, you can know peace. This morning I want to talk about three specific types of peace that Jesus is, that Jesus brings. So first of all, the ultimate peace that's coming on earth. Then a justified peace, peace with God. And then a spirit-generated peace, just in everyday life and trials, okay? And then there's one that is really a fruit of this peace with God, and that is how we relate to each other and, and experiencing that and, and working at peace with others. But we won't have time to get into that today. But that is no doubt a fruit of this is how we actually have peace with each other as well. All right, here we go. Ready? First of all, this ultimate peace, ultimate peace. Why did Jesus come? Jesus came to bring the kingdom of God to the earth. God's kingdom is evidenced by the way of peace. Hebrew people, they understood this term shalom, wholeness, completeness, harmony, where wrongs are, are made right. And the angels, their proclamation to the shepherds said this in Luke chapter 2 verse 14, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now, if you grew up in the, with the King James Version, or if you annually watched the Charlie Brown Christmas special, uh, you would have heard it like this, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, what? Goodwill toward men. Now, this, this translation, that expression, gives it a little more of a universal or broader sense towards humanity, peace on earth. And as you think about that, if you were alive at that time after the angels pronounced this or in any time during history, you'd realize kind of with a head scratch, peace on earth. Did Jesus actually bring that? Goodwill toward all men? We would wonder, what happened? But better translations of this text, and, and the one that I read this morning, and probably one you have today, uh, it says this a little more clearly. It says, on earth, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to those with whom he is pleased, or people that he favors. And this, we see throughout scripture, unpacks this a lot more clearly. It's not just that Jesus came to bring peace broadly to humanity, but it's to those who believe. 
John 3.16, familiar passage, of course, says, Whoever would believe in him, God so loved the world that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. John 1 verse 12, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. This hope that we have of shalom, this peace, and the gospel message of reconciliation is only accessible by faith to those who believe in him. In fact, if you were to read through the gospels and you come to a place specifically in Matthew chapter 10, the whole idea of the angels pronouncing peace on earth, that Jesus came for that reason, would seem contradictory because in Matthew 10, 34, he says this, Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. And so you're like, wait a second, glory to God in the highest peace on earth. I've come not for peace, but a sword. So what does this mean? Simply this. Before there can be ultimate peace, there would be division. See, this little baby was going to stir the pot in a big way. And if you read in Luke chapter 2, where they, Mary and Joseph come to present Jesus in the temple, Simeon says this, he blesses them and he said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your soul, your own soul too. Peace, but first division. Peace, but first suffering. You read throughout the Gospels, you see what Jesus brought. There was opposition. There was tension, political tensions, religious tensions. Herod, Rome, Pharisees, religious leaders. The kingdom of God coming to earth is not welcomed by all. It wasn't going to be, oh, Jesus, you're Jesus. Oh, wonderful, shalom. Everything is peaceful, wonderful. I will follow your way. There was resistance. In fact, there is a constant clashing with the kingdom of earth when God's kingdom comes to bear. When Jesus came, it brought a clear dividing line, which would divide relationships. But hear the words of Isaiah the prophet uh, in his prophecy of peace that ultimately will come when God's kingdom revealed now through Jesus, but one day will be fully realized. That's what he says, Isaiah 11, verse 6. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. Now one little thing, clarification, some of you might say, we sing it, I think, in a song or something where it says, the lion will lay down with the lamb. That's, that's not correct. It's the wolf. The wolf lies down with the lamb. There is a, there is a lion there, though, with a fattened calf. Licking his chops. No, he's not. They're in peace. They're in harmony. In the animal kingdom, there is, there is no longer this, this tension or this predator and prey. When I, we lived in Yorkton, a friend of mine lived out on a farm. He had chickens. And uh, one, one particular season, he seemed to be losing a fair amount of chickens to a, a coyote or a fox or something. And so one night he was, he, he was telling me that he, he heard the, the chickens kind of squawking and his dog barking. 
And he, he went outside and he listened and he thought, oh, this, this crazy coyote's going after my, my chickens again. And so he, he grabbed, uh, you have to keep this secret. He told me that this shouldn't be told. <laughs> he, had a, he had a handgun, I think it was a Beretta. And he just, he saw a shadow out by his chicken coop and he just pop, pop, pop. <laughs> and, and, uh, and he shot his dog. <laughs> So don't tell that to anyone. <laughs> but this is the natural thing that happens, right? There is predators. There is a coyote. There's a wolf. They, what are they going to do? If you saw this, this coyote, he's running around, and he's got a, a chicken in his mouth, and, and you look at him, and you're like, what are you doing? Why are you after my chickens? What is he going to do? He's like, coyote, Right? Predator, this is the way of our world. There is predators and there is prey. But that will not be the case in the future kingdom. There will be no longer predator and prey. What was a predator would now be at peace with the prey. Playing together. Resting together. And you're thinking about if you were a parent with a little child and, you know, putting them into a place where there is a, an animal like a lion or a wolf. And it's like you'd have no fear. And it says a little child will lead them. Symbolizing this, this peace and humility over power and violence. This is one day to come. Listen also to John's vision in Revelation 21 of this fully realized, a hope that we have to look forward to. And I'll say this, if perhaps you're thinking of this and going, ah, oh, peace in my life and everything that is chaos right now, can I invite you just to close your eyes and listen to the words of Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. Sea which represented violence and chaos, demonic death, destruction. No longer. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. There will be ultimate peace. Secondly, there is a justified peace. Justified peace. Jesus came to reconcile us to God, man to God. This Messiah, the anointed one, the Christ, we needed a savior. One who would provide the way for us to have peace with God. You say, well, why, why don't we have peace with God? If God created us, can't we just... Be friends? <laughs> yes, but something has separated us. 
And the Bible calls that sin. And sin is seeking our own dependence apart from God. And all the things that we do, our actions, our attitudes, behaviors, we've willfully chosen our own way instead of God's. And the Bible says that as we choose to have our own self on the throne, this leads to death, not to life. And sin is our fatal disease. So what's the cure? Romans 5, verse 1, the Apostle Paul writes this, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And so this idea of being justified, it's a big kind of the word, but it's under, basically I learned it as a kid just saying it's just as if I never sinned. Justified, that he washes us, that he cleanses us because of our faith in him. And so this is saying that the door to peace with God is opened by faith. It's by faith. Jesus did the work. He paid the price on the cross for our sins so that we could be forgiven. So we could have peace. And again, this peace is not just a gift that Jesus gives. Peace is something that he is. Here, Ephesians 2, 14 to 18. For he himself, speaking of Jesus, he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one, speaking of Jews and Gentiles, with hostility against each other, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. He himself is our peace. So let me ask you today, it's a really important question. Do you have peace with God? Do you have peace with God? The only way is by faith. By faith. Do you have peace with God? Thirdly, is spirit-generated peace. Spirit-generated peace. This is inside, right? So we look to forward to the ultimate peace of God's future kingdom coming in its fullness. It's already here, but not yet complete. We also realize that we can be reconciled to God by faith in the work of Jesus on the cross. And so those two things are really important, but sometimes they get separated in our minds. We say, okay, our future is looked after. God's going to make all things right. And personally, I can say, I have peace with God. I've been forgiven I've received his gift of eternal life through faith. And so checkbox one, checkbox two, but then what am I doing? I'm still living my life. Still going through day after day after day. I'm still experiencing pain. I'm still experiencing hardship. I'm still experiencing persecution. I'm still, I still got stuff that I got to deal with. And sometimes when we separate those two things, we say, what about me now? But listen, our day-to-day spirit-generated peace is not separated from those two things. Listen, 
We have a hope of a beautiful future glory with Jesus. That emboldens us. We can rest knowing that our sovereign creator God is going to make all things right in the end. That's a confident hope and that that empowers us, that emboldens us to live. And we can have confidence that when we die or Jesus returns that we have been made right with him. Today, if you don't have peace with God, please receive that today. It's available to you. It's calling out to God and saying, I believe in you. I need you. I confess my sins and I receive what you have done for me in Jesus. You can have peace with God. It makes a difference. It makes all the difference. And so as we sing even a song, Silent Night, you know, where it says, sleep in heavenly peace, that's a reality because of what Jesus came to do and accomplished. But listen, we can also have peace of mind and peace of heart. Because Jesus came to inhabit our hearts. This is why the Bible says he is called Emmanuel. He's God with us. He hasn't left you alone. He hasn't just said, oh, I've I've solved that end of time issue. And I've solved that, you know, your position before me issue. But now you're on your own. He says, no, I'm with you. I remember my, my mom uh, at times when my sister and I, who, you know, I've told you before, we, we didn't always get along and uh, throwing things and such. Um, but, uh, you know, we would be around, around her, you know, and she'd be probably baking bread or something like that, doing some Christmas baking about now. But we were, we were always around, under her foot, you know, and, and, and uh, being loud and, and not behaving. And she would say, I can still hear her say this, you know, can I just get a, a minute of peace? Right? You ever say that? You know? Can I just get one minute of peace? One minute. That would do it. <laughs> Are you saying that right now? If I could only just have a minute of peace. You look at your schedule. I know I look at mine and go, wow. Things are full right now. Can I have peace of mind and peace of heart? There is uh, something that I think is scientifically proven. I don't see... Oh, Tammy is here. I love it. Okay. We were talking about this the other day. This, this thing that men have that, um, that women desire is the nothing box. Right? This is what we... You may have heard this before. And this is where you're, you're sitting there. You're, you're, you know, you're kind of blank look on your face. And, and your, your family or your, your wife or someone says to you, what are you thinking about? Nothing. And they say, no, like, really, what are, you, what, are you, what are you thinking about? Nothing. you got to be thinking about something. Is, is this a scientific thing? Is this, she's nodding. Tammy is approving. Yes, this is something. Men, men have this, this ability, right? Okay, let's do a little test here. How many of you men, that, you have a nothing box? It's something there you just see? Look at that. Proven. And Tammy's husband also raised his hand, so she's, she's aware of that. Um, Okay, and so this, this might be something, you might be a woman that you might have this. Like, I mean, you just might be. But apparently this is the way the brains work, and this is, again, Tammy has talked about this. It's like women's brains are just all enmeshed, right, as far as everything is going on. And, and I mean, that must be tiring. 
like, I mean, it's exhausting. Women are nodding. It is exhausting. And so this nothing box that men have, women want something like this. You can't have it. It's ours, right? It's only, it's ours. <laughs> but listen, this is, this is the, the true reality, whoever you are, that you can have rest and stillness and peace when life throws daggers or punches at you, which it will. Remember that Jesus said this. He said, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. In Proverbs it says, man is born to trouble as sure as sparks fly upward. It's, it's going to happen. Life is going to be difficult. There is going to be things that just occupy your brain space and your heart space. But this is where Jesus enters. He says, I'm with you. He says, take heart. I've done the work. I've overcome the world. If you hear, hear this, please take hold of this. The peace, again, wasn't just a gift that Jesus came and he brought or that you received at one time. And then not long after that, like many gifts that we receive, we're just like, where did I put that? Or where did I get that thing from? Or as many of your kids are like, I don't remember what I got for Christmas last year. It's not a gift like that. Peace comes with the presence of Jesus every day, filling your heart and your mind with his stillness, his comfort, his assurance that you are loved and that you are a child of God. If there's a, a verse coming out of today that you could mark and, and memorize, if you haven't already, it's Isaiah 26, verse 3. You might know it in a different translation, but it says this. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Other translations say, whose mind is stayed on you. That's where your thoughts go to. So probably more than a nothing box where you could just, oh, it's wonderful. There's nothing, nothing at all. But you could fix your thoughts on Jesus. That's where peace is. And we have the gift of the Holy Spirit that he promised his disciples then as he left them and he has left for us today. John 14 says this, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Peace is found in Jesus. I'll close with this. There's a story of a, a train in, during the French War that uh, a train um, engineered by someone that was, was commissioned to carry some dispatches to headquarters and had to travel a very rough terrain over 60 miles on a rough track and reach its destination within an hour. And the engineer, as, as was commissioned with this task, pushed this train to the limits. Meanwhile, his wife and his child were in the coach. 
And every moment as they were traveling along and this train was careening back and forth on the tracks, threatening to pitch it over the embankment or a bridge, the people inside, they would hold their breath. They would, they would cry with terror as they sped along. But there was one person on that train who knew nothing of their fears. And that was the child of the engineer. She was happy. She was playing. She laughed aloud when, when someone asked her, aren't you afraid? And she looked up and she says, why would I be afraid? My father is at the engine. When they got to their destination, the engineer came to the back of the car and hugged his wife, cheered her up, and the daughter came and hugged him. Everyone around was, was fearful, was in distress. But she was at perfect peace because her father was at the engine. That's the truth for us today in the circumstances of our life. That we can take confidence, we can take peace and comfort in knowing our Father's at the engine.